Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You are listening to Any Given Sunday, a part of the Dead End Podcast Network. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other podcasting services. Please make sure you check out Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Is the Mic Still On, Chris Platt's Strictly Hip Hop and Hoops Talk, and a host of other shows on our podcast network. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Yo, welcome back to Any Given Sunday for Sunday, February 23rd, 2020. I'm your host, Manny Brown. Hopefully you guys are having a happy, safe, blessed weekend. As always, you can follow the show on Twitter at AGS Pod, Instagram, AGS Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at the Emmanuel Brown, Instagram, the Emmanuel Brown, Facebook, Manuel Brown, and of course, Snapchat, Bro 15 Also hit us up at agspodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with the show. Let us give us some recommendations. Uh, just complain about how bad I am. Whatever you want to do hit me up on that email and of course if you like the show and you like what you're listening to please drop us a review on itunes we really really would appreciate that uh my guest this week uh, a friend of mine i haven't had a chance to actually talk to him on this setting before um so i'm i'm very excited he's got a he's got a major project coming up and i wanted to have him on the show to talk about that and some other things um nick alston first time on the show nick welcome to any given sunday what's good man yeah what's up man thank you for having me appreciate it uh it's pretty awesome to be on here today no doubt, man. Trying to support, uh, trying to support uh, people like myself who are, who are trying to do big things in this world. So, uh, figured it'd be a great platform to have you come on and talk about your uh, your new venture and things you got going on, man. Yeah, sure, for sure. Uh, so, you want me to just kind of jump in, give a brief explanation? Uh, just well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it first. Sure, sure. Um, Sounds good. What's uh, just talk to me about yourself, man? People obviously don't know you. Yeah, for sure. After after this game, hopefully people will know you. But yeah, uh, hopefully right now they don't they don't know you just well. So go ahead and give a give you give a brief bio of yourself, your background, your history. Tell them tell everybody about Nick Austin. Sure. So uh, I'm almost 38 years old. Uh, I am a software engineer in uh, the greater Seattle area, specifically in downtown. Uh, And um, I guess uh, the key things about me are. I grew up a poor minority, uh, which is uh, kind of a difficult thing to do uh, back in the 80s and early 90s. Um, And fortunately enough, uh, when I turned around 18, uh, I had an aunt who lives in uh, Lakewood, Washington, uh, who kind of stepped in out of nowhere. I didn't even really know this woman. And she was like, hey, um, you were always a bright, amazing kind of kid and you have a lot of potential. but you don't really have the opportunity to really explore that right now. So you don't have to trust me. You don't know me. Uh, but I would love for you to come and live with me. And, you know, 
and, and kind of experiment and see what, where you can go in life. Uh, mm-hmm. And so because of that, that kind of just set me on this path of uh, how I ended up being an engineer. Uh, uh, anyhow, so, um, you know, she, she pushed me towards college. I went to college in downtown Seattle, went to AIS, so Art Institute of Seattle. Um, I am a single dad. Uh, I got a beautiful daughter. She's two years old. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Uh, so was engineering always in the, in the cards or was it something that it kind of just matriculated as the years went on and you tried to decide what you wanted to do? Like, tell me about choosing that career path. Yeah, sure. So, um, not really, not at all. I mean, when I was young, uh, you know, I grew up in the hood. So, you know, I'm not sure if your readers know, I mean, your listeners know what that is. So I'll just kind of elaborate a bit. The hood is essentially the ghetto or very, very poor low income area. I'm familiar with food stamps and blocks of government cheese that are probably not good for you at all. Uh, (laughs) You know, I know what I know what a a purple dollar bill looks like. Um, And uh, because of this and the way that I I was growing up, you know, when I was young, uh, I want to say when I was like 12 or 13, I still had, you know, lots of aspirations and dreams for things. I was in things like uh, we had this thing called gate, uh, mm-hmm. which is gifted and talented education, which is probably similar to what is STEM education nowadays. Um, and I was involved in things like that, but uh, the hood has a way of keeping you from excelling uh, in educational aspirations. And so you kind of get sucked out of that and start, you know, believing that there's no escape for you, that, you know, book smarts is not going to help you. You're not going to survive out there. You're not going to make it. You're nobody. And so I, I really started to believe all that. Um, and, you know, like I said, so my aunt, my aunt finally stepped in um, and she had recalled that when I was very, very young boy, I wanted to make video games. And so that's how I ended up going to AIS she said, you know, this is really genuinely a career that people can really do. And if that's what you want to do, then you should go and, and apply. And so she took me to uh, the first school she actually took me to apply to was a school called DigiPen. And this is right when video game specific engineering schools were coming mm-hmm. out. And it's a I, I, I want to call it like the Harvard of video game schools uh, at the time, at least. And I was so intimidated and so and my self-esteem was so low that I didn't even bother to. Uh, apply because the majority of the people applying to the school were a lot of wealthy international kids who already had amazing talent. Like they looked like they could work in the industry already as it was. And I just felt like I wasn't good enough for that. And so I settled on the Art Institute of Seattle. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as, as we start to grow and we get older, uh, especially in our young adult phase, we start thinking that we know better. We know everything. Uh, and I and I start to forget where I came from. Uh, and so at some point, I want to say when I was 21 years old, uh, I decided that I knew better uh, and uh, moved out of my aunt's place. <laughs> and my school was is was a private school. It was incredibly expensive. You know, I had my car and, you know, I had a, uh, a girlfriend at the time and, and thought I was the best thing on the planet uh, until things started to kind of fall apart. And I ended up homeless uh, and uh I slept in my car and showered out of 24 hour fitness while I went to college. Um, but while I was in college and while I was going through that, um, it was super hard to find a job, anything stable that I can really work. Uh, and somebody had uh, uh, asked if I could do a flyer for them because I go to art school. And mm-hmm. so I did the flyer for them. And I remember this was, you know, I want to say 2000, 
one. I did the flyer for them for probably a hundred dollars. And the guy came up and he paid me for it. He was a real estate agent or something like that. And he paid me for the flyer and he's like, this is really good. You know, you should think about doing, you know, more flyers and websites and things like that. Uh, and that kind of was like the catalyst for, for kind of this switch from, you know, being someone who was only focused on video games and, and not realizing that there's this huge spectrum of things that I can, I can use my talents for. Uh, and so it started out making, you know, flyers. I jumped to like nightclub flyers, uh, moved from those to, um, you know, I got my, my first web client was uh, a jeweler in New York City. And I had just, oh, wow. and I had been, um, and this was like a famous, a famous guy. Uh, and just because of, I don't want to say who it is just because of how this story comes. No, no, I get it. I get but, it. But, um, so this guy, uh, they emailed me and they're like, yeah, we would really love for you to do our website for us. We love your designs. You know, my design skills were, were great, but I, I didn't know anything about making a website. Uh, we want you to make this website. And, um, so he presented two choices for me. He was like, I can give you uh, $10,000 in cash for the website, or I can give you $20,000 in diamonds and custom jewelry. Uh, and so uh, I, I elected for the ring um, because I was dating the girl at the time. But uh, the, the key point of this is I didn't know how to make a website <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, and so I sat down and I was freaking out and I'm trying to get all of this stuff done. And um, I remember at the time it took me almost two days just to get uh, a page to to center on the screen. You know, like you go to some websites and they're centered on the screen. There's a right. little bit of a bar on each side. Two days. Uh, and I remember my girlfriend coming home at the time and and I'm so proud of myself. And she's like, that's that's it. That, that's what you got. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, like you don't even understand how 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 insanely difficult this programming stuff is. But, um, you know, somehow I scraped through. It, it, it certainly wasn't my best work, but uh, it, it, it still managed to impress the the client. Um, he had asked if I was flying out to see them and he thought I was like some big design studio or something. Uh, and I was like, no, uh, we, we don't really fly out to do that. And I had to come up with some kind of silly story because I don't even have $400 in my bank account at the time. Uh, but, but from them, uh, from there, it kind of just bit, bit this, this, this bug on me. I was like, man, I can sit down at this computer and it's still, it's challenging. It's interesting. I always tell mm -hmm. people programming is like diffusing a bomb, right? Like you've got this ridiculous problem in front of you that doesn't make any sense to anybody else except for you. And so I, I, I started to get this, this passion for it, you know, of really enjoying the fact that, um, there's this secret language out there, tons of secret languages, and um, it's really hard for people to learn them. But once they learn them, it opens up all this this opportunity for you. You know, a lot of yeah. a lot of people take for granted when they pick up their cell phone, right? Like everyone has a smartphone, and you know, you touch your smartphone and you're talking into it, and you're saying like, you know, hey Siri, hey, you know, Google, and we just take all of that stuff for granted not really how amazing that is. And so that, that really fueled me to and the work and the work that goes into making that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. The, yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's thousands of people that work on just the, the Siri team alone. You know, you have scientists and, right. and electrical engineers and, you know, uh, uh, software engineers and all that stuff. Uh, and so uh, from there, it just really, it, it just really became my thing. Like I wanted to learn more. I, I just couldn't stop. I mean, it, it, there's, 
so many languages in programming to learn and so many new things that it never gets old. There's always something new. And so I felt like I was being more fulfilled in life at this point because, you know, everywhere I turn, I can literally go to Barnes and Nobles today and there's going to be some new language that I've never seen that does something cool. And, you know, you have to have it, you know, and you've got 20 books and you just, you just pour through them as you can. And, you know, you're listening to, you know, podcasts on a way to work, you know, on, mm-hmm. on, you know, on your drive and you're learning new stuff. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's, that's really how kind of I got, uh, you know, into that. And, you know, I started out kind of like freelancing, uh, and then, you know, over time, I, I finally got I built up enough of a portfolio and enough, you know, true solid engineering experience where, you know, bigger companies were starting to 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 look at me. And, uh, you know, I got to work for the Federal Reserve for a little bit, which was neat. Um, and, you know, from there, it just kind of expanded, uh, you know, to where I am today. So now now today I work as an engineering consultant. Um, so you mentioned languages and the different programming languages that you that you've learned along the way um, for, for folks that are listening that are not into coding, that are not into kind of the engineering side of things or the nerdy side of things. I, I know these things, but for some that may not be li- that may be listening, that don't understand. Just kind of explain that a little bit like languages. What do you mean exactly? Like just kind of go into a maybe a brief description of like what, yeah, that, sure. means and what that does. So, um, well, I was there's there's a couple things. Right. So if you have a Web page, right, a Web page is made out of one the call it a language. It's not really a programming language, but they call it a language. And most people refer to HTML, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I always tell people that HTML is like, if you were to have a woman standing next to you, right? The HTML itself is the structure of that person. They're, you know, what they, they are, their bones, they have a nose, they have a head, they have a body, they have legs, they have feet, right? You're just describing a person. Okay. Uh, and that's all that HTML does. It just describes the thing that you have, right? Uh, and then from there, you need different languages to solve different problems. Just like, you know, you're not going to take a hammer, you know, uh, to flip your pancake. You're going to take a spatula, right? So you right. pick the best language to uh, do the job. So uh, now that, let's like, say we have this woman standing in front of us, right? And she was made with HTML. That's the basic woman, basic, generic. They all look the same, okay? Then you need another language, Let's say, for example, CSS, uh, which is a language which uh, takes that structure and makes it pretty, right? So now you could be like, I want this person to have a flat nose or I want them to have a long nose. I want them to have long hair. I want them to have short hair. I want them to have makeup on. Uh, this is how I want their nails to be, right. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then... Uh, from there, you need another language. Say, for example, they call them backend languages or business logic, mm-hmm. uh, and, and those languages are the mind, right? So how it operates, uh, and so uh, that language might be something like PHP, and in there, it gives uh, you the ability to create how they would think. You know, if I'm hungry, I should go eat. You know, if I'm tired, I should sleep. Otherwise, I should either work or spend time with my family. And so you have to break down really complicated stuff into these small little blocks of logic, right? So right. Uh, and, and, and once you start to understand how these blocks work, you can break down virtually anything in, into those ways. Uh, and then lastly, you use what we call like a front-end language, which would be like JavaScript. 
So JavaScript is partially like back in the day when we had MySpace and you would put those little codes in and customize your page. Yeah. Part of that is like JavaScript, making all the little stuff on the front. And that's kind of like the reaction layer. Like, you know, if somebody says something foul to me, you know, how do I react? I might, I, cause you know, we naturally react to stuff and then we think about it right afterwards. Right. So somebody may say something crazy to you and you're like, you know, you react, you know, negatively to it, but then your brain kicks in and then you, your brain has to decide, do I want to continue to react negatively to this or am I going to let this go? Or how am I going to handle this situation? Interesting. Yeah. No, I, I love that you broke it down that way. Um, for some, for some folks that, cause I mean, you know, I mean, even though we are in 2020, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't understand this stuff. So, and so we don't want to get too bogged down in the weeds about it. So, but yeah, but yeah it's, sure. it's, it's cool, but it's cool to, 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 to kind of get a breakdown from it. So just from listening to your story, you kind of, in a way you kind of stumbled onto this passion of yours. It wasn't something that kind of just, I mean, you, I, you, it, I, it, I think it, I kind of, I think I've kind of winded around it because I mean, I ultimately I, I wanted to do games. But games is still fundamentally the same thing. I mean, I program games nowadays, too, for other clients. But um, the the reality is, is that regular software engineering for, quote unquote, boring things is far more uh, lucrative than making video games. Hmm. Um, So that just kind of. Why is that specifically? um, I I think that simply because there's a, a, a larger market for things. I mean, you know, take, for example, Facebook. Right. Right. Um, there are far more people that use Facebook than are going to play uh, Grand Theft Auto, you know, or, or NBA 2K, right? Right. So right. if if you got a if you got a sixty sixty dollar game, right, uh, and you're selling it at retail for sixty, that means that you're selling it wholesale for thirty. Okay. So then from that thirty dollars, the game company itself, the publisher, like say it's let, let's say uh, it's on you know Xbox, Microsoft gets a cut of that. Okay, uh, and then the publisher's got to get a cut of that, and then there's tons of stuff. So you actually only see like uh, you know after manufacturing and everything like seven dollars, and that sounds crazy to people that you really only make seven dollars on a sixty-five dollar game, right? But sure. but Facebook, you know, which primarily you know hinges on advertising for things, there are far more people trying to sell stuff. Uh, so you know, to show your advertisement to a thousand people on Facebook. Uh, could be anywhere between, you know, uh, $10 to a couple thousand dollars, depending on what market you're in. Right. Right. So Facebook is just raking in money because they have this huge user base that's able to be eyeballs for something. So we always say this thing at work that if you aren't paying for the product, then you are the product. So I'm saying mm-hmm. it again so that people really let this sink this in because this is super true. If you aren't paying for the product, you are the product. Right. So when you buy your car, you paid for it. Right. So you shouldn't expect for, you know, or your computer, let's say your computer, you buy your computer, you paid for that computer. Right. So that's why, or you're even your phone. That's why your phone has to ask you permission to do stuff. Can I listen to your recording? Can I see your photos so that I can do things because you paid for this phone. But if you didn't pay for the phone, They'd be like, oh, well, you know, in exchange for giving you this phone, we're going to record all your data. We're going to analyze your photos. We're going to, you know, do all this, this and that because you've now become the product. So when you're on Facebook, the reason why you don't, you don't pay for Facebook is because Facebook's making money off the fact that you they're selling you. Right. Yeah. Right. 
So no, so that's why you kind of sign away all your, you know, for people that don't get it, for that, that's why you kind of, that's why Facebook and other social media companies have this problem with data and data retrieval from these different corporations that they paid it to have, you know, that's why when you could go on, that's why you've been looking at, you know, shoes on Amazon and Facebook has an ad for you for shoes in a, exactly. in a matter of minutes, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, stuff like that. So it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to think about it. Yeah. That, you know, you essentially are the product when you are on a social media site, you know, so that's why people who wonder like, oh, why is social media free like why is it that i can go on twitter create a page and have you know a hundred thousand followers or whatever you know you are the product you are the you are the goods you know essentially so Mm -hmm. so just to circle back essentially because of that um the the earning capacity is just lower uh for games uh and so um oftentimes you'll find that people um especially with really high-end games uh got into them later on in their career after they've already really established themselves elsewhere uh, and made their money elsewhere. And now they're just doing it because they love to do it, you know? Uh, But uh, if you have like kind of uh, the the passion for that, uh, depending on where you live and there's, you know, there's so many, so many factors that go into that. I mean, the cost of living where, you know, I live is insanely high. I couldn't, I couldn't sustain myself on uh, a, a video game salary. Right. Right. No, I, I love that you broke it down like that. I mean, because, you know, obviously people hear video games and they're like, oh, you know, they think of the market and, the, and, the, and, the, and how big the video game community is. But then when you actually sit down and break it down, you know, how much these games are selling for the, the market, because in, in a way, gaming is still kind of a niche, you know, product. You know, what I mean, it's, it's still a niche in, in, in that sense. So it's not like Facebook where, I mean, your grandmother's on Facebook, you know, what I mean, yeah. like your, yeah. your, 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 your second aunt is on Facebook. You know, that's not the case necessarily in video games. Yeah, I still know grown adults, you know, to this day that still call, you know, a PlayStation 4 a Nintendo. Like all my kids right, playing my is mom. Nintendo. Yeah, my mom. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's not it's not as uh, ubiquitous um, as people would think. Um, and so it's getting there. But, it, you know, I think it just really boils down to, you know, the cost of living where you, you know, where you're at. Because, you know, say, for example, in Seattle, uh, you couldn't really live on 50 or 60K. You know, yeah. which is which is an average, an average gaming salary, uh, and to a lot of places elsewhere, fifty to sixty k is amazing. Like if I lived in, like say, you know, NorCal, Sacramento, Stockton, somewhere around there, Elk Grove, I, I would take fifty k in a heartbeat. It would be a great, it would be a great salary. You know, but you know, just it just really depends on on where you're at. If you're in a a, a city where, uh, you know. Uh, the salary that they're offering you is sustainable, then, then go for it. But it's, it's just all about research and, and, and making sure that, you know, you find an area that fits uh, what your needs. Um, so what was the most rewarding project you ever worked on while you were freelancing? What was the thing that you're like most proud of? Um, um, oh, that's, that's a super easy one. Uh, so a couple of years back uh, I made a website um, that had no financial interest for me whatsoever. It, it was not ever meant to make any money and never was going to make any money. There was no ads. There was nothing on the website. Uh, literally all it was, was, um, think about it like a, a Facebook post box, right? Where you could type right. something. And the website was called counting karma. And all it really did was you would go on the website and you weren't allowed to say who you were. You weren't allowed to use any names. Everything wasn't anonymous. You were allowed to post pictures, but outside of that, all you were allowed to do was 
make a post about something nice you did today. And that's it. That's all it was. And 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 it would it would geolocate where that happened. Uh, and just to kind of uh, explain what geolocation is, essentially, uh, when you do actions on your phone or on your computer, uh, 99% of the time that stuff can be tracked uh, right. into a really precise area. And so uh, when people would geolocate these things, I would space it out a bit so that it's not identifying them as a person, uh, but then it would plop it on a heat map. So a heat map is kind of like uh, you know, that predator vision that you would see in the old predator movies. And the more activity you had in a certain area, the brighter it would get. And so it was just this really neat project where people would just be able to do nice things. And you would watch this heat map spread out of people doing nice stuff. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was, uh, I think, I think that's probably, you know, engineering wise, that's the thing that I'm most proud of just because, um, you know, a lot of stuff often gets tied to doing it because of uh, monetary, monetary drive. Uh, and so to be able to just make something and say, I'm just making this because I want to make it and I think it's cool um, and I don't have to make money on this, you know, is is a good feeling, you know, because yeah, it's of just times- a passion product. It's just a passion product. It's not such an, it's not something that you're like, I have to make it or I'm, I'm bound to make it. Like you said, yeah, it's just something that I'm doing because I love to do, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Absolutely. So, you know, now I've got a little bit of an idea who you are, your story or whatever. Um, talk to us about this project, man, that you're working on right now. Uh, this Kickstarter. Just kind of don't don't hesitate to go into detail, man. Just kind of tell us what it is, what's uh, what the origins of it were and uh, what can we expect from it? Sure. So uh, in order to do that, uh, to explain the story, I got to I got to hop back to something that was kind of missed uh, in, in, in my hat, in my past. Um, so, um, in 2007, I had a daughter, but she passed away of SIDS. Oh man. Sorry to hear man. And, uh, that was really devastating for me. Uh, and it really rocked and changed my life and it changed my life so much that I disappeared off the face of the planet for five years. And, uh, I moved to California. I stopped contact with everybody that I knew. Uh, and I kind of lived on, on, you know, with myself and didn't really interact with anyone. And all I would do is I would get up in the morning and I would go to the gym. Uh, and then I would just walk and walk and walk and walk. I had so much money saved up at the point that I could just live off savings for quite some time. Um, and one day I'm walking in a shopping plaza and I see a, a store, uh, uh, and it was called Metropolis Comics. It's it's unfortunately closed down now, but there was like 80 people in this store. And so, you know, whenever you see a big crowd of people, you're kind of curious. So you walk inside and, uh, I see a bunch of people, all different ages, races, everything. And they're all sitting down and they're playing a card game. And so I'm curious. And so I walk in and, uh, you know, so I ask somebody who looks like they're not busy. Hey, what is everyone doing? And they're like, oh, this is uh, we're playing this card game called Yu-Gi-Oh. It's really cool. Yeah, you should check it out. And so, you know, he kind of had this really good energy about him. So it sucked me in. I was like, okay, sure. I'll, I'll come in. I'll check it out. So I sit down and he starts explaining to me this card game and, um, I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, so, uh, here, here's a bunch of cards. You can have these if you want, so you can learn how to play this game. You know, a lot of times people don't really, uh, go out of their way to bring people into something or even are generous enough to just be like, here, let me, you can have these. Right. Uh, and so I thought that was really neat. Uh, and so, um, because of the situation with my kid, uh, I ended up going to the store every day and I was playing it so much. And I started realizing that, you know, I was laughing and maybe I wasn't happy at first, but I wasn't thinking about it constantly. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I got to sit down and I'm focused on these cards and on these people in front of me and learning about them. And it's a very social thing. You know, you're playing this card game and you're talking to these people about their day uh, for hours on end. And, um, you know, I finally I finally got to a place in my life where I, I got healthy again. I moved back to uh, Seattle in 2015 and I continued um, to play this card game. And. You know, I made tons of friendships along the way. There's people now that I've known since 2010 that I'm still friends with just because of this game. Uh, and so when I was in Seattle, uh, there's a, a smaller city called Renton in, uh, in Washington called Renton. Uh, and there's a car store in Renton called Shane's Cards. And I would go into this store to play the game. And one day I went into the store and uh, I started to notice something, the environment or the the vibe about the game had changed. It used to be about community and having fun and sharing these moments with each other. And now it was all about uh, who has the best deck, who has the most money to spend on these cards. Uh, And these cards can, a single piece of cardboard can be $500. Wow. And you'll need like three of them in a deck. Like currently a lot of my friends are in Las Vegas right now playing in a large event for this game. And the best deck you can play right now costs you around $1,500. Jeez. You know, so the game had, had spiraled out of control to this point where it wasn't really uh, a fun game that everyone can play. It was about who has money to spend on this game. And some of the players who had the money to spend on this game uh, would, uh, you know, talk trash about uh, the people who didn't. Oh, you're a scrub. You're garbage at this game. You, you know, you suck. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they're good or bad. It's just that they may not have a thousand dollars. They may not have a hundred dollars, you know. And they just want to. They just want to have a, a, a good time and you know do something something fun. Well, just uh, just just quickly, what, why did why did that why did that change happen? Like in your opinion, like what uh, what 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 caused that? The, the company itself uh, reinforces that behavior. So uh, the game is made. The, the game is made by Konami, uh, and Konami. Uh, primarily makes the majority of their money in gambling uh, in Asia. Uh, and a lot of their uh, external uh, investments, like video games, they make video games, Metal Gear Solid, stuff like that, uh, are a drop in the bucket to how much money they make on gambling. Um, and so uh, their this particular card game that they own, uh, they released the cards in Asia uh, three months before they are released in America. And there's no necessary rhyme or reason to how they print the cards in Asia. Uh, but then they watch the Asian market to see which cards bubble up to the top, which cards are good, which cards are strong, you know? And when they finally come to America, they change how they print the cards. They make the best cards very hard to actually get. Wow. Because they use the Asian market as market research to say, Oh, this is the best card in the pack. Everybody's going to watch this. Everybody sees in Japan this is the best card. So as soon as the Americans get it, they're going to want this card. So let's print one per case. So a case of cards is $760. Let's print one or two per case and make them chase for it. Let's cater to gambling. Let's get kids going in there and buying a pack of cards and getting disappointed when they don't pull it and have to buy another box. Oh, man, I pulled back. Just one more box. Just one more box. And just create. It just all is based on their whole business model of gambling. Interesting. See, I didn't you know, know that. that. That's crazy. I, I learned something new there. I did not know that. You know, so when you when you see kids and uh, you know, it basically they're they're 
kids don't have the impulse control that adults have. And often adults don't even have the same impulse control, which is why gambling is so addicting. You know, but if you put, you know, a kid's favorite characters in front of them and they like Pokemon, for example, and their favorite one is I'll just use Pikachu because that's probably the one that most people are going to know. Right. And their favorite character is Pikachu and they want to get a Pikachu card. The company knows that. So they'll print one Pikachu card in every 400 cards. So you're opening up packs and packs and packs of cards just because you want a Pikachu card. You know, so they're, the company's happening because, you know, they're, you're getting sucked into their, their, their gambling practices. Um, and, you know, the, a lot of the people don't even realize that that's what's happening to them and that they're basically, you know, getting ran for their money uh, to, to do this. So um, that was getting frustrating to me. Uh, and I finally decided that I wanted to make a game when um, there was a kid, he would go into the store and mm-hmm. uh, he had leukemia and he was dying. And when you're in late stage leukemia, I'm not even going to lie. Like it just, every time I saw this kid, it just, it, it both like mortified me and broke my heart at the same time because it really reminds you of like how fragile our lives are. He's like 14 years old and he's not going to live much longer. And he's got like this, wow. his mom is walking with him and she carries this oxygen tank for him and he's emaciated and, you know, he's got his mask on and, you know, you can see it in her eyes how, how painful this is for her. And he just wants to play this game. And, you know, she would buy cards for him all the time, anything he wanted, right? Hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, she would walk in the store and she would spend for him just because that's what made him happy. And he'd walk around the store and I remember he came up to me and he said, um, hey, is this a good card? And he showed me a card. I don't, I don't remember specifically which card it was, but it was expensive at the time. It's probably a hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, man, this is a, it's a good card. Good job. You know, it's like worth like a hundred bucks. And he goes, you can have it. And I kind of looked at him and I'm like, look, this is your card. Um, and I want you to keep it. And you don't need to give anybody your cards in here to have friends. Um, and it was at that, it was at that point when I was like, I, I felt like I wanted to make something, um, to change the way that this game is going. It got, it just felt really gross to me, right. uh, that, that it's the point where, you know, um, this kid doesn't get any attention and nobody wants to play with him, but they all will, you know, when his mom comes in to buy him cards, they're all around him. They all want to hang out with him. They all want to get his cards and, you know, basically rip him off for all of his stuff. And he's dying. Um, so I sat down, you know, I talked to my, uh, my boss at the time and they're like, you know, this is a good idea. This is something that you should do. Uh, uh, and so I, I set out to, really changed the way that, you know, uh, card games are uh, approached. Almost every card game on the market since the very first one that was popular, which was Magic the Gathering, um, they've all been designed this way. They all artificially uh, limit popular cards that you buy and you buy and you buy and you spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to play this game. Uh, and for me, I said, I don't want to do that. I, I want I want to be able to play this game. Uh, I want, you know, 12 year olds to play this game. I want, you know, 18 year olds who have $40 to their name for the whole month, because that's all they have after paying their bills to be able to just have something to have fun with. Um, And so 
I designed this to be not random. Instead of going to the store and buying a package of random cards and you don't know if you've got good cards or if you just spent $10 on garbage, Mm -hmm. uh, mine is uh, you buy the game and you get every single card in the game uh, without without having to guess uh, and for a reasonable price, right? So then you're not spending... uh, Right now, I think we're doing... Thirty thirty dollars is the is the starter kit price. That's what you need to to basically get into the game, right? Right. Uh, so that thirty dollar price to get every single card is let is less than half of what it costs to buy a box of Pokemon cards or a box of Yu Gi Oh cards. It's like one fourth the price of a box of Magic cards. Magic cards are like one hundred and twenty dollars or something like that. For really? A, bo- I a box? Didn't even know that. Wow. And. Here's the scary thing. For that $120 box of cards, you figure you'd be able to play the game, right? Right. Not even close. You can't even make a functional deck out of those cards. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So for me, I I, I wanted to approach this and say, hey, I don't don't care if you're 10, you're 20, you're 30, you're 80. You pay your $30. That's more than enough to be able to use. If you pay $30 for something, you should be able to play with it and not just put it in a binder somewhere and be like, oh, cool. I'm going to look at these drawings. Uh, And so. So I finally I finally, you know, had discovered this this concept and was like, okay, I I think this is a a good approach. Uh, And so uh, kind of circling back on the whole video game thing, um, you know, I've always loved games and games pretty much were uh were not where i ended up but it's where i started it's where my dream started um and so um when i was 12 a video game it came out and that video game is what got me into all this stuff and if it wasn't for that video game i probably wouldn't have been a programmer i could have been you know something else uh and so my daughter is named after a character in that game. And okay. so and so because of that and because of that joy of games, uh the company uh is named after my daughter. Um you know to kind of just signify the you know the circling around of uh of all of those kind of life experience and uh, of what got me to where you know I am now. Uh so uh yeah so then I guess from there uh, you know, we just uh, spent a lot of time, you know, really, you know, prototyping this out, you know, drawing out things on uh, three by five cards and, uh, you know, testing continuously and trying to make something that I genuinely enjoyed to play that gave me the same challenge and vibe that the other game did. Uh, and then, you know, just spent another couple of years trying to find, you know, the right manufacturers to do all this stuff and get the quality level that I wanted and. Uh, and still be able to, you know, make something where obviously you can make some money so that you can keep making the game. But at the same time, I didn't have to go the same route as the other guys of putting these cards in random boxes and telling mm-hmm. you to, to, to good luck. So a couple of things before you, you continue. So mm-hmm. talk to me about the creative process of it. Like, so you sit down, you have this concept. Everybody agrees it's a great concept. So talk to me about the creative process of actually like, okay, sitting down, planning this thing out, beginning to end, like where do you start? Cause I don't know anything about this. So I sure. so teach me, like if someone's out there trying to think of some, something similar, a similar project, like uh-huh. talk to me about the creative process that you took 
that you undertook to say like, okay, this is this, I have a concept, I have an idea Now let's put pen to paper. And then from there graduate to something bigger where we have a finished product. Sure. So I would say uh, for any project, um, first of all, don't try to make a project of something that you don't already enjoy just because you think that it's going to be something dope or amazing because it's, mm-hmm. it's, you don't have to, you don't have the vibe for that. Right. So, right. um, but I already have experience playing card games uh, and I, I, I played a bunch of different ones. And so uh, the initial thing I did was uh, I went out and I bought a bunch of, a bunch of different packs from different card games, even the ones that I didn't play, you know, so that I can really look at them and go, why did I even not even bother playing this at all? You know, I didn't even look at this game, you know, and, and, and play through these games and sat down with, with my friends and said, Hey, let's, you know, I know this probably might be boring or whatever, but let's just try this game out so I can see, you know, what it's about so I can learn what I like and what I dislike about it. And so I started to get a list of all the different things that I liked and disliked. Um, and then once I had all of that down, uh, then um, I think, how did I start? I started with uh, looking for some, uh, I guess, some core uh, unifying elements. You know, a lot of, you know, find the things that are similar in all the games. All the games have some kind of monster or thing that fights. They all have attack. They all have defense. You know, they all have some, you know, uh, abilities that they can do, like magic spells or whatever they can do, uh, and find those commonalities. Uh, And then once I have those commonalities, uh, then it's just like a, I want to say like a a cooking recipe, right? Like your grandma may teach you how to make some food or teach your mom how to make some food, but then your mom may put a spin on it, and then she teaches you uh, how she did it. And then you're going to get it and you're going to look at it and you go, OK, yeah, yeah, I like this. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. This is good. Uh, but let me try just throwing some jalapenos in here really quick and seeing how that how that how that. Take. OK, yeah, mm-hmm. I like the jalapenos or, I, you know, you start, OK, well, you know, this might this might actually be good, like on some eggs. Who knows? Right. right? So you start remixing stuff, essentially. Uh, and, and from there, then you start to build your own your own identity, your own voice. Right. And, and this is before you even have any pictures of anything, no images. You're just dealing with text and mechanics and concepts, right? So, you know, now I got these three by five index cards and, you know, you start, you start building out the, your, your, your concepts, right? So my first early concepts felt probably just like any of the other games, right? Because you're, you're still trying to find your, find your voice. Uh, and then you start, you know, adding those different spices and seasonings to it and things start to, you know, progressively change. And so you go through, you know, different, different versions. You're like, okay, this is the first version of the game. Let me test this out. And then you may, you know, have some people play your game and they go, Oh, this is too much. Oh, this reminds me of this thing in the other game in Pokemon or something. So you go, okay, this is too similar to that. How can I improve this? How can I spice this up a bit so that it it's new and fresh and, and, and they're excited about it. Uh, you know, you're going to go over, you know, hundreds, hundreds of, of, of times uh, that you're going to go through this design process. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually things start to kind of solidify. And once those things start to solidify, uh, then, then you start thinking about like, what's, what's going to look like. Right. Um, and I always tell people um, it's not a real project for you until you put some money into it. Absolutely. Right. It's just a hobby. You're just doing it as a hobby. So, when, you know, I'll admit when I first started, it was probably a hobby, right? 
But until you put down a, a real chunk of change on something, right? And then you like, okay, now I really need to do this because, you know, I, I don't put some money into it. Even if it fails, it's fine if it fails. It's fine if whatever you do, your project fails, right? But once you put some money into your project, you got to see your project all the way to the end, right? Because otherwise you're just saying that you don't care about your your own, you know, your own money and your own time, right? right. So then I finally commissioned my first, my first artist, um, I, uh, my daughter's mixed with Vietnamese. Um, and so I thought that, uh, it would be good for me to, um, work with Vietnamese artists, uh, just so that I can learn more about uh, the culture, uh, and, 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 and feel connected in a way. Uh, so I reached out to some artists, uh, to find out, you know, what their average pay was, um, for doing art. And I was actually surprised with what the numbers came back and they were a lot lower than I expected. Uh, so, it is my belief that if you treat people solidly, that they will treat you back the same. Absolutely. So I said to these guys, this guy, I said, look, man, uh, this is insanely low. I'm going to pay you three times what you're asking. Right. Because, you know, for, for three times what you're asking is still cheaper than what it would cost for me to get it done stateside. So I'm still right. winning. Right. But I want you to win too. Right. I want you to feel like your 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 effort is is being is being rewarded, that you're leveling up, that you're growing. Right. And so uh, he was like, sure. So, you know, I got this guy and he sent me back my first piece of art and I was impressed with it. Um, and I showed it to friends and, you know, started to get that. You know, it's 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 still, you know, an echo chamber. Right. You know, you're going to you're going to show it to your friends and your friends are always going to tell you it's amazing. Right. right. Even if it's not. Uh even no matter how, 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 you know, solid your friend is, it's, it's going to happen. Right. Uh, but at least, at least it gets you hyped for it. Right. So now I'm hyped for this. I'm, I'm excited. And, you know, you start, you start going all in in it. Right. And whenever you want to, you want to build something, uh, you gotta, you gotta sacrifice, you gotta sacrifice a lot. Right. There's, there's been months where, you know, I've, I've had $12 in my bank account, you know, just because, you know, you're throwing so much money into, to making this, this dream possible. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to feel like you're living on the edge to, to make your dreams come true, but sometimes you, you got it. Right. 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 Absolutely. Um, uh, but, but, you know, then, then, then things start to, to really get defined and really start to form up. Uh, and, and you start to, you know, see people start to take notice Right. Because you're putting in that real effort that, you know, you genuinely care about this and, you know, how, how it's how it's played. Um, you know, start, I start I start shipping it around and, uh, you know, getting this feedback. And then I start, you know, uh, you, you know, you make a Facebook page uh, and I start getting people, you know, on a Facebook page. And that's you know, that's growing, you know, every day. Like it's so cool right now to to be on Facebook. And I'm just sitting there and I get these notifications all day. This random person liked it and this person liked it. And. You know, I'll, I'll I'll find myself you know on a the the, the end of a an interview call. I had a a, a guy, uh, he called me up and he's like, hey, you know, I saw your game and we want to do like a YouTube interview. So I did a YouTube interview for the game. Um, you know, I I don't want to say the 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 player's name, uh, but an NFL player reached out and and was like, look, you know, I actually really love card games. So you know, I'd love to see where this kind of progresses. You know, so I uh you know, even that in my own mind is like a, a, a really cool success, you know, to have this, this NFL player, yeah. you know, reach out to me. I'm, you know, I'm just a small fry, you know, and, and reach out to me and say, you're doing something cool and I like it. 
I want you to send it to my house. You know, um, and, and and so you know, I I I made sure that um, you know it took a little bit longer than expected to get it to him, but I you know I explained to him, look, you know, uh, I, I want to make sure that what gets in your hands is the best that I can I can do. So even if you're disappointed with it, I cannot be disappointed in it because you know that's that's the best that I could put out at the time, right? Right. Um, and uh. You know, then then you know you start formulating stuff. You get the website up. Uh, you know, I got my first couple stores. You know, without me without me cold calling, and it's a crazy feeling when you're selling something and somebody comes to you asking to buy it. Right, right. I had a store. They the email stores are emailing me and they're saying, "Hey, you know, I've got a, I've got some I've got some guys coming into my store, you know, my game store, and they're asking about this game. You know, I need to know how I can order this game from you and how I can start running events at my store." Uh, and so you get these little small wins, these small victories, you know, uh, and you just kind of just, you know, keep pushing with the momentum uh, and, and kind of keep things rolling, you know, and, and you just try to see it all the way to the end. Was there a part was there a part in, in the creation of this that just got too difficult or too hard or, you know, even just a part where you kind of felt like, oh, I don't know, man, this this might not be worth it or whatever. Like, was there a part? in the, in the entire process that, that, that came to be, or that almost came to be? Oh, oh man, all the time, all the right. time. So, um, you know, when you first start, when you first start doing anything, um, you know, it's new, it's fun, right. Until the real work settles in, right. Then it's not fun no more. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so, you know, then, then I'm seeing all this money, you know, going out of my pocket, you know, I'm paying all these people and you start having these doubts, right. You're like, man, I'm spending all this money trying to get this game out the door and I'm nobody, you know, I'm just, I'm just this guy that, that works. And just like everybody else, I'm just a regular person and nobody's going to care about this. You know? Right. Um, so there, there actually have been times where I, I, I had stopped working, you know, like, like for a couple months, um, you know, I just didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't hire out for any arts. I didn't, I didn't update anything. And then just kind of sat and you get into these funks. It's like this weird depression, you know, about your project, you know, and really the only thing that would, that would, that would kind of kick me out of it. And I'll, and I'll be, you know, utterly honest, you know, if, if I, if people didn't come and ask me about it, I probably would have just dropped it because, you know, you get into these mindsets of, you know, uh, there's nothing special about my project. My project's not, you know, not anything that people care about. You know, if they want to play a game, they're going to go get some game on Xbox or right. you know something cool. They're going to get something they know. They know NBA 2K. You know, they don't they don't know what this is. There's nothing in it. But, but, you know, when when I go into the store, the card store and people aren't asking me about Yu-Gi-Oh! anymore, they're like, hey, Nick, like uh, anything new in your card game? And I don't have anything to tell them because it's been three months. But, you know, that that made me feel that made me feel really, really good. You know, it, it re would, it would reignite that spark, you know, and eventually you get to a point, you know, if it's like a hill, right. Eventually you get to the top of the hill. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and from there it evens out, right. You start feeling confident uh, in, in the project. You start, you know, seeing results, you start getting back samples from manufacturers, you know, uh, um, yeah, let me see if I could. I don't know if you saw, but like, there's that little video, like that metal card, you know, you, you start getting yeah, stuff yeah, like I saw in the mail. Yeah. I saw it. yeah. And, um, excuse me, uh, you start getting this stuff back in the mail from like these people. And you're really looking at this, like, wow, this is, this is real. I'm really doing this. I'm really, 
accomplishing this, you know, and you start, you stop worrying about, am I going to, am I going to succeed at this? Because really the success is the fact that, you know, I spent four years figuring out all these tiny little things and, 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 you know, working with language barriers and calling people Mm -hmm. in China and working with manufacturers and, and America and all over the place, trying to find the right person for the right job, excuse me, to, to make all these things for me, you know? And, and at the end of the day, when I finally sit down, you know, and I push the button for this to go live, I know that I've, I've, I've leveled up my, my confidence. I've leveled up my people skills. I've leveled up uh, my ability to do business. Um, You know, my ability to complete projects. So there's all of this growth that you get that you, you sometimes don't think about, you know? Uh, So regardless of where the project goes, uh, I still have all of that, you know? So you just, you just go, okay. uh, You know, I did this project and, you know, let's say, let's say it doesn't fail. I mean, let's say it fails. Then you just look, you just sit back and you look at it and you go, okay, why did it fail? You know, it could be people just aren't interested in it at a big enough level. It could be, you know, um, you know, the, the marketing wasn't right or the timing wasn't right or whatever it may be. But at that point, you know, you should be able to honestly sit down and look at your product completed and, and go, okay, yeah, I can see why, why that makes sense. You know, and then you just go, all right, it's time to, it's time to, you know, take a break for a little bit, relax, enjoy the fact that, you know, I have the successes that I have, which are, you know, I learned all the different things that I learned. Right. And have success and failure. Right. Uh, right. Because if you can't, if you can't have success and failure, if you can't see your wins when you fail, you're never, ever going to succeed in something. Right. Because Absolutely. you don't just, yeah. you don't just wake up in the morning and, and, and succeed, you know, Kobe and Jordan, they don't, they didn't just wake up and be like, cool. You know, granted, sure. They had the genetics for it. Right. But them dudes shot thousands and thousands and thousands of the same jumper, the same layup over and over and over again and put all that work in. I just saw something the other day about like how, you know, a Jordan quote where he was talking about how like he'd been trusted with the game winning shot like 300 times or, you know, or, or 300 times he, he missed the game winning shot. Yeah. You know? So if it, but, but every time he took that shot, you know, there was still some success. There was still some confidence being built so that eventually, cause you know, like if you put in that position, right. And you got, and you're in that game winning shot and you're playing sports, I've, I've been there. Right. I didn't even want the ball. I don't want to shoot this. Right. But, mm-hmm. but, and he probably felt like that, you know, early on, but the more you do it and the more times you fail, there's also going to be more times you win, you know, so eventually you're going to get the ball and you go, I got this. It's easy. This is what I do because I've been doing this. Right. So, uh, you know, for this, it's like, all right, well, you know, if this, if this doesn't succeed, I, I feel like I still won. So that I can, I, I can take a break and then boom. Uh, all right. What's the next, what's the next thing that comes to my and mind? And you, and you don't, and you don't look back with regret saying like, damn, I wish I would have went for it. I wish exactly. I would have did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You did it your way. You did it how you wanted to. Okay. It may not have worked. And and like you said, Maybe the timing wasn't right. Maybe you didn't do a good job. Maybe people didn't like it. Maybe people didn't get it. And maybe all those things are true. And maybe mm-hmm. everything was perfect about it and it just didn't work. And having the self-awareness and the self like, oh, okay, maybe just it didn't work. 
Mm-hmm. No, 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 no skin off my game. Yeah, it's going to hurt. I mean, because of course, when you put your your love and your passion into something and it doesn't work or it doesn't succeed, of course it hurts. Absolutely. But I think you also feel there is a there is a there is a a a self satisfactory like at least I did it and I and I and I went all the way. I didn't stop. I didn't you know I didn't get too scared to finish or to see the see the full results. You went for it and you and it and it worked. Or mm-hmm. it didn't work, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's very important, man. That's that's because of course people who listen to this, you know, there's a lot of people that are, that are artists in their own ways or creators in their own way. This show, this podcast, is a perfect example. You know, I've been doing this for four years, and I and this was always something that I wanted to do, and I'm doing it. You know, and it may work, it may not work, but at least I know I did it. I did it my way. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for your video, for your for your card game. It's just like that passion to just see something through, finish it out, go through the ups and downs, the pendulum swings that that go into any project. Um, but at the end of the day, feel proud and, and satisfied that at least I went through the journey and and it, and it, and I did it my way. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that's that's ultimately what life's about. It's like, it's you know, it's it's definitely not ever the destination. It's just the ride. You know, you're going to go on You're going to go on a trip and you're going to you're going to experience stuff. And when you get to where you're going, it's, it's done. So you better enjoy it while, you know, while you're doing it, because, you know, then you're going to look back and go, man, I was I was too busy worried about where I was going. Right. I, didn't, I didn't see, you know, what I was doing. One one thing before we, we kind of wrap up, but so you mentioned the actual money making process of it. You know, uh-huh. you kind of you, you kind of glanced over it a little bit. So I, let me play devil's advocate for a little bit. Right. We talked about all these card games and, the, and their kind of their business and these companies that own them and, the, and their kind of business practices or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if I play devil's advocate for a little bit. You know, one would say, well, this is the way we can make money. I don't know the card game industry, so you can break that down to me better. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you, if you were playing devil's advocate, or if I was playing devil's advocate, wouldn't I be able to say, okay, by doing this, by creating this kind of mass hysteria and this interest of like, which card, you know, attracting this card, getting this card in this deck or whatever, and making people spend the money and the money and the money. Yes, it's unethical. But it's the only way that we can realistically make money. Do you agree with that, or or challenge me on that? And I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay, I I, I highly disagree with that. Uh, and so let me let me elaborate why. Um, uh, firstly, um, the cost of actually making all this stuff is not is not as high as people think for almost anything. You know, mm-hmm. your iPhone, your iPhone XS Max that they sell to you for $1,500 costs $200 to make. They get $1,300 in profit to sell you an Apple logo. Granted, the phones have been, you know, I, I wasn't really too keen on Apple phones a couple of years back. But granted, now they're, I mean, they're amazing devices, right? But they're still $1,500 in profit, right? Uh, and so for me, I strongly believe that. You can make everyone happy in the supply chain, the logistics chains of a business, right? And still make money, right? I can make sure that the player is happy. I can make sure that the stores that are selling the product that have to see these people every day are happy, you know? And I can make sure that the business is happy without having to uh, create a predatory environment, you know? Like, I don't know if you got, if you've heard anything about how like the loot boxes, right? They're trying to do all this stuff with loot boxes. Yeah, 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 I have. So loot box, you know, for anyone listening that doesn't know, uh, is essentially uh, a digital box that you open up in a video game uh, with random stuff in it. And you don't know what you're going to get, but you paid real money for this. Right. So the government is saying that, hey, these are predatory. This is bad. Right. But what's the difference between a digital loot box and a pack of cards 
when they function exactly the same. It's the same thing. You're opening up a pack of cards and you don't know what's in there, hoping to get something cool, and you don't. So you buy another one, and you don't, and you buy another one. So sure, those companies uh, you know, are, are raking in millions of dollars hands over foot, right? But I, I don't think that you necessarily need to uh, approach a business that way. And I think that times are changing, you know, especially in games. You know, people uh, in, in the board game kind of industry are getting kind of tired of that. They're tired of, you know, I spent $85 on a box of cardboard and open it, and now it's worth four. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you say to somebody, hey, this box right here is $30. And what you're getting is $30 in product and you know exactly what you're buying, you know, because you're not going to go to T-Mobile and be like, yeah, uh, you know, um, I want to get a new phone. And they go, yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, But we're doing a loot box system now. So you actually don't get to pick an iPhone. Uh, What you can do is you could pay a small fee of $20 and then uh, we'll randomly give you a phone. Right. Right. So you're like, you're like, okay, sure. Fine. Right. So you, you open up a phone. And you've got uh, you've got a razor phone uh, from like 1999 or something crazy. And you go, I'm not really feeling this. I need touchscreen. And you go, oh, well, sorry. You know, better luck next time. So you go, all right, let me try again. Right. No, you're not going to you're not going to buy a phone like that. Right. right? So Absolutely. why should kid, why should kids have to buy buy their games like that? You know, why should they go to the store and be like, I want a Pikachu card. Give them a the Pikachu card. Just just, you know, let them buy it. You know, build your model, build your model in a way that it's financially sustainable. You know, I'm like, like, you know, I'll I'll be, I'll be frank, like the way that the model is set up, you know, uh, it's designed so that this game can still be profitable, like very healthily profitable, you know, so that I can continue to grow so that I can hire on people, you know, so that I can, uh, you know, expand this and, and, and go into other things, you know, maybe it's making video games. Maybe it's, you know, we have comic books we're making and all this different kind of stuff, but you know, you've got to pay these people to make all this stuff. Right. Right. Uh, so the game's designed to be able to make money. It, it very much can make money, uh, but it makes money. And I, you know, like you said, I think the key word is just an ethical way. It says, Hey, I want you to have something of value or perceived true perceived value for it. I don't want you to gamble for it, you know, and I want you to be able to make an informed decision. You know, I want you to be able to go in the store and go, do I want this pack of cards? What comes in this pack of cards? I don't like this. I'm not buying it this month. Right. Cool. That's what I want. Cool. That's totally fine by me. I don't want you to go in the store and go, man, I really want this pack of cards. And I really need uh, this one with the Lamborghini on it. So I'm going to open it. Boom. I got a Prius. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't, you know, they, I, so, so let, let me again. I, I totally agree with you. I'm just, you know, people are like this, and you know, some people think like this. You know, let sure. me play devil's advocate for a second and say, okay, these companies are going to say, well, you know, we don't, we don't implicitly advertise that, and not to mention, we don't make anybody. It's not like we hold a gun to your head and say, drop eight hundred dollars on this pack of cards and see what you get. You know, so, so I, I guess my question is, and again, I agree with you. What responsibility does the consumer? bear in all of this because at some point it's like fool me once shame on you fool me 10 times it's like at some point what what responsibility does a consumer have in that in that decision making process i genuinely think they're a victim 
I genuinely hmm. do okay. because they don't they don't force you to do these things, which is true. They don't they don't put a gun to your head and say you need to buy our stuff, right? Uh, but they also hire the most talented psychologists and statisticians that they can. These companies hmm. genuinely hire those type of people, PhD in psychology, to make a children's card game. And why are they doing that? They're doing that because they need to find out the best methods and the best systems to create an addictive environment to prey on you. So then you fall into the triple, the, 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 the traditional marketing, right? So you see, uh, I always say, no one wants something that no one else doesn't want. So when I first started, you know, advertising on the game, the likes and stuff like that were slow. But now that I'm 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 starting to hit up you know uh, four figure numbers for the game, people are just liking it because their friends are liking it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great because you know people people will often judge things by the cover and they don't get the opportunity and they may look at it later. So I'm getting the I'm getting my foot in the door with them, right? The ability to say, hey, check me out. So at least they're looking, right? So those companies are doing the same thing, right? Which is fine. You're able to you're able to put out the advertisement, get your foot in the door. Right. But those they do it on a grander scheme. Your kids are sitting at home watching Yu-Gi-Oh on Saturday morning cartoons. They got a cartoon that reinforces everything in the game. How you play. Here's the cool monster. Summon this giant thing. They get hyped for all of that. Right. Great. Normal marketing. You get a cartoon out of it, you know. uh, But the actual system for how they sell is the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. You hire these people and they go, um, uh, how, how do we get more money from, from everybody? You know, oh, that's easy. We just designed this system, which uh, is very addicting in personality. Uh, I mean, in characteristics, right? We take the very cool cards. We uh, use shiny patterns. So they, they cover certain cards with foil in, in attractive patterns uh, that make them desirable, right? So uh, now you have these hard to find, uh, visually, attractive uh cards and you're opening up these packs and you have this excitement and it's building up and then boom you hit something cool and you get a burst of dopamine and you're so pumped that you open this and i you know even me i you know i've opened up a 200 card before and i'm like yeah this is sick right And, and and there's a chemical reaction going on you know that makes you excited that wants you to keep opening more regardless of if you won or you lost you open up a sick card. Yeah, my luck is good. I got to open up more. Or you 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 have this pent up desire and urge to want to get something good and you don't. So then you go, oh, man, this, this really blows, man. I feel like I feel like crap. I got to open up another box because the only way I'm going to feel better is if I pull something good. And they yeah, design it's that ultimate that. high. It's that ultimate yeah. high. Yeah. They manufactured that. That is not a byproduct of the game. They do that intentionally. They see what happens in Japan. And then they make their product like that. So I say, I, I'm not doing any of that. You, you don't even get foil cards in my in my pack. The way you get foil cards is by participating at stores. So when you go to the store to play with your friends and play with everyone there, you get a participation prize, which is a foil card. So you still, in a way, get that, 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 that dopamine, that excitement of, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to play and I'm going to get something. But it's not rewarding you with your money. It's rewarding you with your effort. Right. Because in, in, in all the other games, the only way to get foil shiny cards is by paying for them. And in my game, you get those foil shiny cards by going to the store and saying, hey, I, I, I played today and I fought hard and I won. So I got five packs. 
whereas someone who lost every match might get one one bonus pack. Interesting. Yeah, no, I I totally get it, man, and it, and, I, and I think this this will be eye opening to a lot of folks that because like again, me, I don't know anything about card games. I've never played a card game in my life, so but it's interesting kind of seeing the business aspect of it and seeing kind of because I didn't I didn't know all this stuff happened. So I think this will be very revealing to some folks. Yeah, and then understand then understand the kind of actual business process of it. And, and I mean, I mean, uh, think about like 2K. You play 2K or any kind of sports game online, Madden, anything like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, there, 2K. I, Madden, I, I, I haven't played in a long time, uh, but I'm sure they're probably starting to do it too. I'm sure you can buy something in Madden or 2K with real money, right? Like little, little. Right, right, right. Yeah, like yeah, they are. Yeah. And 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 you probably you probably don't, right? But I'll tell you this: the moment you do, you're gonna go deep. That's how it works. You see it all the time. You don't touch it. You're like, I'm never going to. I'm And I, you know, I play, I play computer games and I always told myself in computer games, I'm not buying this stuff. It's just random, random stuff. And then eventually you see something, you go, yo, that's, that's dope. That's yeah. cool. I gotta, I gotta have that. And then you buy it. And then after that, they got you. They yeah. got you. Yeah. And it's the first high. And then you just try to, you, every <laughs> single time you're trying to, you're trying to recreate that high. You're trying to get back to that, that initial moment of excitement where it's like, Ooh. oh shit. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely get it. So final question, man. Um, let's 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 kind of look let's look out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Five years from now, this this card game, you know, hopefully it blew up and it's and it's the best and it's a new rage and everything is going great. Why do you think it 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 succeeded? Um, I, I would say uh, because of of how we focus on the actual non gameplay part of the uh, game itself right so uh a lot of a lot of times in games everything is uh good guys and bad guys right it's literally red and blue lasers bad star wars dudes versus good star wars dudes uh and it's really black and white and i wanted to approach this game in a way that gave people things uh to identify with Right. So these characters are real people like you. You'll have a character who, um, you know, her father uh, is a scientist and he gets assassinated uh, because he is making some technology for company and he realizes they're going to use it for uh, for war to enslave people. And he doesn't want to give it to him. And so she's like hell bent on revenge uh, uh, for her father to destroy everyone that's involved with his company. Right. And, you know, on the on the surface, she's a good guy. But as you learn more about this character, you kind of realize that she's turning herself into a monster because of all the different things that she's sacrificing and the people she sacrifices to to accomplish this goal. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of depth um, that goes into these people. And, and we try to find stories uh, that, while sound fantastical on paper written out like that, people can simplify them and identify with them in their own lives. Uh, I also work with a, a, a diversity and, and inclusion uh, company here in Seattle. And, uh, one of the big things for this is that I wanted to create characters that people of all different races and backgrounds could, could identify with. I have a a child that's mixed with like five different nationalities. She's not going to look like anybody, you know? Uh, so when I was a kid, you know, it's too black to, to hang out with the white kids and too white to hang out with the black kids and you just feel lost. Right. And, so I want people to be able to pick up these cards. It doesn't matter. Like one of the, the, the third character we're releasing is actually a dude in a wheelchair. Right. Okay. Because you never, you never see this. You never see the dudes. I mean, outside of professor X from the X-Men, 
but he's got psychic powers. You know, people in wheelchairs don't have psychic powers. So you're telling me that the only way that you can show a cool person in a wheelchair is if they got magic? doesn't have to be like that. So I sat down, you know, I have a friend, you know, he's in a wheelchair. And I'm like, you know, what would be what would be cool? You know, what would you want to see if if you're playing a game and you're in a wheelchair? Because you don't ever get to see nobody that looks like you, that, that struggles like you, that does the things like you. So all the characters are are uh, human first before anything else. Right. And I think that I think that's really what's going to be uh, the uh, important thing from the non gameplay side. And then from the gameplay side, uh, I always tell people uh, that it's going to do really well simply because uh, if you look at something like um, basketball um, or, you know, football or team oriented sports, uh, a lot of times you can come away from a loss in that and be really upset uh, because you got other teammates that you got to rely on. And some of them may not be as good as you, or you may not be able to really objectively look at yourself and see where you messed up more than right. often. It's like, yeah, that other dude messed up. And you know, he, if he would have made that shot, you know, we would have won, but you also missed four shots in the game. Right. Right. But, right. But, and so that's how I feel like the other card games are because they create these, these imbalances, right? Whoever got more money can buy more cards. Doesn't necessarily make you better. Whereas with this, it's very cheap to be able to play this so everybody has access to the same weapons, right? The same tools. So when you sit down to play and you lose, you don't feel bad about losing. You just know, okay, this person, you know, got me this time, or they may just be objectively better than me. So it's more like chess than it is like, you know, I, I have, I have better weapons available to me. Cause this is like, I have the same tools available to me. So when I sit down at my desk to put my, put my team together, Right. Like I'm drafting my I'm drafting my team. I'm putting it together. I'm using my mind. I'm designing the thing how I want to design it. And if I lose, OK, back to the drawing board. Let me tweak some stuff. Let me take this out. This didn't work for me. Right. But I have all the tools. I don't go, boy, I sure wish I had that five hundred dollar card. I wish I had three of them, because then if I had those three cards, right. I'd be so much better at this game. So this is this is I think those are the two the two the two key things, you know, more of a human element, uh, giving people things that they can identify with. Uh, and seeing things of themselves in these cards and then really giving them a, a, a real competitive landscape uh, that, that rewards people for um, for working hard and using the brain and not for how much money they can spend on cardboard. That's dope, man. Hey, man, I congratulate you for this this project, man. It's, it's not easy. Uh, you shared the insight into the creation of this. I know it wasn't easy. It was, it was definitely a challenge. So I definitely congratulate you on the process, man, for real. Um, before you go, go ahead and plug the game when it's coming, when it's going to be available, when it's coming out. Uh, and also just kind of plug yourself, plug your social media where they can find you, where people can connect with you, share ideas, et cetera. Uh, yeah, sure. So you can find the, the game is called Ethernia. It's E-T-H-E-R-N-I-A. Uh, you can find it at uh, Facebook.com slash Ethernia TCG. Um, or uh, the website is uh, PlayEthernia.com. Uh, you can email me at Nick at PlayEthernia.com. Uh, and on the Facebook, you'll be able to find access to uh, our Discord channel. Um, very very accessible there. I'm almost on every day. Uh, and if you have any questions about anything, be it, uh, you know, how to make games or how to get into programming, I'm always down to, uh, to give people insight on, uh, how to approach programming. Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, Nick, thank you for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I actually, I actually really learned a lot 
today. This is crazy. A lot of times I, I have conversations with people that are kind of, uh, you know, I'll be, I, I still try to learn every conversation, but, but, you know, it's always a like, it's, it's always a like level of knowledge or a similar level of knowledge when I'm, when I'm speaking with folks, but to have this opportunity to learn something completely new in a field that I didn't know anything about until today, it's, it's a really cool experience. So I, so I definitely appreciate you being on the show and, uh, Thank you for coming on, man. Hopefully next time we get you talking about some sports, actually, or something different. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, down to, I'm down to talk about some sports next time. No doubt. No doubt, man. Thank you for being on the show. Everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the social media sites. And uh, also make sure you drop some likes and uh, some reviews on uh, on iTunes. And uh, let us know how we're doing and, and why you like the show. I'm going to get up out of here and enjoy my Sunday evening. Once again, thanks to my guest, Nick Olson, for, for being my guest this week. Uh, I'm going to get up out of here. We'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Peace. Peace.